The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There is no growth in comfort and no comfort in growth. Business today typically values and promotes leaders for their subject expertise. Leaders who have command of the details and execute based on knowledge and experience are highly respected. However, to grow as a leader, you have to get out of your comfort zone. That means learning to lead without just being the expert. Learn to gain the trust and respect of a team that might know more than you do. Get comfortable with ambiguity and with not having all the information. Develop the skills and confidence to lead in a different way. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. I'm Wanda Wallace, and today we're going to be talking about a bit of an unusual approach to developing leadership. So when you take a stretch role, one that forces you out of the comfort zone, well, it's uncomfortable. And there's no way to grow and learn without a little bit of a discomfort. But today I want you to think about a different way of boosting your growth and your leadership skills. And that's by taking a playbook from theater. Yes, theater. It's not as far-fetched as it might sound. So the notion is that as adults, play is how we learn. And theater is play for adults. So just maybe the tools and practices used in theater can really help transform our skills and capability as leaders. So with me today is Kathy Salant. Kathy's an author, a performer, an executive coach, a social entrepreneur, and CEO of the global consulting firm Performance of a Lifetime. Kathy and her group use the art of theatrical performance and the science of performative psychology to engage leaders and teams in creating new uncharted possibilities to grow their business. Client list is wonderful. Twitter, American Express, Nike, Coca-Cola, Rolls-Royce, John Hopkins Hospital, the Metropolitan Museum of Art. That's just to name a few. She's been featured in Fast Company, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Inc., Wired, CEO World Magazine, and of course, on lovely radio shows like ours. And she's the author of Performance Breakthrough, A Radical Approach to Success at Work. And as Daniel Pink says, quote, this remarkable book will electrify your work and enliven your soul. So, Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Wanda. I'm thrilled to be here. Really looking forward to our conversation together. Thanks for having me. Me too. Me too. And having watched your work over the years, I think this is going to be a pretty exciting conversation. So, theater as play, really? Why do you say that theater and play and that play is how adults learn? Well, uh, you know, if you think about what, what kids do, what our kids do and what we did as kids, we... We played, we pretended, we imagined, and, and, and we performed. So, you know, we performed different roles like mommy and daddy and superheroes. And, um, and that play, that, that, that form of performing, um, is, is theater, right? And the thing is, is that 
uh, it's a key part of what makes it possible for children to learn and to grow. Uh, it's, you know, there's been a lot of research done on this about the importance of play for kids. And now, more and more, uh, there's research that's showing the importance of play for adults. Um, I was just taking a look at um, Dr. Stuart Brown's book, who is the uh, director and founder of the Institute for Play. He wrote this book called Play, How It Shapes the Brain, Opens the Imagination, and Invigorates the Soul, and that human beings are built to play and built through play. And so that's both the case for kids and for adults. Uh, and we all, we, we sort of have this in our DNA. And so what we're doing in our work, uh, and I talk about in my book, is to help to sort of reinitiate that form of play, that form of performing uh, for adults so that we can continue to grow and develop even as big people. Okay. All right. So I have to take an aside on this one. Then I'm going to come back to this notion of performance as play. Back in the more decades ago than I want to admit to, in my PhD studies in psychology, one of the things that I was fascinated was with was animal play. And we happened mm. to have among our faculty at the time a very world-renowned, very accomplished animal behaviorist. And we had extensive conversations as a graduate student team with him about play and animals and whether that was just an anthropomorphization of adults looking at animals in play or actually play among animals was constructive for their growth and development. That was many decades ago, and I take note that that idea has come back in resurface. There's just been some recent work published on the fact that animals play is how animals yeah. learn. So, okay, I think mm-hmm. we're all on the same page. I mm-hmm. find it an mm-hmm. interesting metaphor, though, to say performance is play. Okay? Okay, yeah. So, well, I we, mean, Go ahead. No, well, just that if you think about like when we performing is is playing different roles, is playing different characters, you know. So when little kids pretend that they are in a giant battle with aliens, when they when they pretend to talk on the phone even though they're just babbling and they're like infants and they don't even know language um, or they play, you know, they pretend they perform as if they're cooking a meal or setting up furniture in a castle. These are little vignettes. These are little performances, little scenes. And it, the, it's almost like the, um, it's play slash theater, play slash performing is, is, is a total concept, is a total idea. And so uh, it's not the only form of play, you know, but it is a very, very dominant form and feature of play. Okay. All right, so it reminds me of Hermina Ibarra's work, um, the Think Like yes. a Leader or the Paradox of Authenticity, and the notion that she says is we take roles all the time when we are not as skilled as we need to be in that role, and we fake it, if you will, we play, we perform that role, I think it's the better, I like that word perform, until it becomes an innate part of ourselves. So do you agree with that yeah. statement? I totally do. I love her work. Uh, and I think it's, I think it's very important. And I, and, and the way, the way we talk about it at Performance of a Lifetime uh, is this idea that, uh, which builds on what Ibarra is saying, 
which is that we're not just who we are. We're who we are, and we are who we are not yet. And so in order to grow, in order to get out of our comfort zones, in order to learn new things, we have to be in that space where we're pretending, we're performing the thing that we don't know how to do yet, the way we don't know how to be yet. And, and for many people, I think for most of us, some of what that experience is like is feeling like, oh, this is not me. This is, not, this is fake. I'm an imposter. Um, but, you know, when you think about, like, what do we do as kids when we learn to ride our two-wheeler for the first time, to ride a bicycle? It's not like we're, we're, we know we're going to learn how to do it. Our parents, the big people, know we're going to learn how to do that. It's not like I'm faking riding a bike. I don't know how to do it. But in order to do it, you have to perform like you do. You got to get on it. You got to <laughs> feel wobbly. You got to fall. You know, you need, you need help with someone pushing you along. Um, and so you're performing as who you are not yet. And that's how you become who you are. Not right. yet. That's, you got to, you got to do that first. All right. I love that phrase. It's not that not just who we are, but it's who we are not yet, meaning who we are becoming. Yes. Fabulous. Yeah. Okay, so let's dive in a little bit on this one. So when you talk about what it means to use theater as leadership, you talk about a couple of principles. And one of those, one of the five key things you say is choose to grow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you take on it. What does that mean to you? Uh, that it's a deliberate act, that it's a deliberate performance. Um, and so, um, you know, it's hard to grow, right? And so... Uh, sometimes we're just thrown into a circumstance where we feel like, oh, I don't really have a choice to do that. Um, But many of those times uh, that we are thrown into a circumstance that is unknown to us, uh, as well as when we make a deliberate choice ourselves, um, to do it, we have to say, I'm going to perform in this new way, even though it's going to be hard. You know, I recently coached a woman who, um, I'll call her Gloria, who, uh, who runs a large uh, health NGO in a developing country. And she had been a policy wonk, a health policy wonk for 25 years. She just turned 50. Now she's the executive director of this NGO. And um, she had the opportunity to be in front of some pretty high net worth people to talk about the work they were doing and to get not only, you know, raise funds, but also to get uh, tap into their brain bank. And she told me that she had not given a presentation to more than 20 people since high school. And she was mortified. And she was literally going to pass on this opportunity uh, to get in front of these people. And um, she basically was told by her board she had to do it. (laughs) And so she reached out to me. And part of the work that we did, so that was her making a decision. That was her choosing to grow, even though she she was concerned that she was going to faint once she was in front of people, literally, that she would faint. And so we did a lot of work. Actually, we didn't even do that much work. We spent a couple of sessions together where... In some fundamental way, what I was helping her do was to perform as someone who wanted to speak to these people because that that was a part of her that did want to speak to those people. She did want their support. She did want their help. 
but she also felt really, really freaked out and was worried that she was going to pass out. Um, you know, long story short, she did the presentation. She actually killed it. I mean, she just knocked their socks off. And she was so surprised at her at having done it and how well it had, had gone. Um, but she had to have made that choice in order to, to put herself into that position and to grow in that way. So fascinating. So this is like an intentional mindset that says, I'm going to do this, even though I'm scared of it. I feel like an imposter doing it. I'm not comfortable doing it. I don't necessarily know how to do it well, but I'm going to choose to do the performance for whatever good reasons I do. And um, it reminds me of one of the um, senior leaders at one of my financial services firms that I admire a lot, who always said he boosts his confidence by looking around the room and deciding if there's anything, anybody else who can do this thing he's about to do better than him. And if so, he's getting that person involved. And if not, then he's going to go ahead and do it. And I love that sense of if somebody else can do it better, fine, but otherwise, I choose to do it myself, even if I'm not mm-hmm. 100% prepared for it, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. So, okay, Kathy, I get this. I make a choice. I make a choice. I'm going to do it even if it's awkward and uncomfortable and feels phony, like I choose to take a role as running a radio show or hosting a radio show. <laughs> now what happens? How do I start to get the mindset and the emotional aptitude to really lead through that performance or really do that performance? Uh, well, one is this thing that it's a performance, uh, if that makes sense. Meaning, it's not something that you know have to you have to know how to do already. But this is oh, I'm playing a new character. This is brand new to me. I'm playing a new role, and so you start to do what actors do when they're taking on a new role, which is you learn about the play that you're about to be in, or learn about the film. You know, you read the script. You study the, you know, and investigate the character that you're playing. You talk to other people who are in the play with you and or who have been in that kind of a play before. And you start to sort of take it on like, oh, okay, this is a whole new, and again, I use the the language of theater because I think it's helpful in the sense that you know, Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage, and I very much agree with that, and we, we are the players, we are the performers, and so we can shape that, and so I want to give people the creative agency to shape that in the way that you, you want to do that. So you get to design what does it mean to run your radio show while building on and standing on the shoulders of other people who have done it before. Um, I think that helps from a mindset and also an emotional uh, standpoint in the sense that you're now part of something that is bigger than you, and you get to learn all about that. Uh, and the other thing I'd say, I don't know if you experience this in your, in your work, Wanda, but part of the emotional aptitude that we found is so helpful for people is to realize that this is what growth feels like. It feels, you know, it feels it feels uncomfortable. Uh, that you're going to get it wrong a bunch of times, and that if your emotional sort of uh, posture towards that is to embrace that, is to welcome that, is to expect it, 
then I think, and to be kind to it and to you <laughs> as you go through it, I think that can really help you take on some of those new performances. So we're right back to the stuff that we talk about and what breeds resilience um, and people who uh, are more comfortable taking risks, like taking new roles, but just taking risks in general. And there is a tolerance for the mistake. You know, I don't go seeking the mistake, but it happens. It's one of many. It isn't going to sink me. Okay, next. And there's this attitude about, well, yeah, it went wrong. So what? And that's what you're talking about, embracing this performance, this new thing as a performance and recognizing as a performance you're new at it and you are going to get some pieces wrong. Okay, so. Well, you know, I would add to that uh, even another element, which is, um, you know, one of the exercises that we, we teach people is this sort of wild and wacky exercise where people applaud themselves and each other when they make a mistake. Uh, we have this, 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 this game that we sometimes will do with the teams where um, they have to call each other by a name that they're not used to calling each other, and if they get it wrong, they throw their hands up in the air and they say, I made a mistake, and everybody gives them a huge round of applause. And I love this exercise for a number of reasons, um, but one of them is because it's, it's so counterintuitive are you applauding me and why am I applauding somebody else for making a mistake? That's, you know, that's silly. That's stupid. You know, that's, 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 you know, unnatural. But I actually think that what it helps us see is, well, what if we did not just accept our mistakes, but be excited about them. Be like, wow, I really messed that one up. What an amazing opportunity to try it again, to learn from what I did wrong, to have other people involved so that we can together learn what produced the mistake. And I think that when you're taking on a new role and doing something new that is very different for you, that you want, you almost, I mean, as you said, you're going to make the mistakes. So the question of how to relate to them as learning blocks is yours, is yours to answer. And that, and that sort of back to that thing about how performance helps you do things that are unnatural and that don't feel like you, that's an unnatural thing also. So create a performance where you're like, oh, my God, you know, I asked the wrong kind of question or I didn't really say what exactly I wanted to say. But, gee, what, you know, was I nervous? Maybe I should have prepared a little bit more. What could I do differently next time? Those are like, those are wonderful learning opportunities. And I want to help people to be happy about them and not kick the crap out of ourselves for them. I love that. Celebrate your mistakes. It reminds me, we don't do enough celebration any rate in general. I think if we did a lot more celebration, the handful of mistakes wouldn't feel loom so large any rate. And I was yes, speaking yes. with someone recently who's uh, retired now, but a very famous CEO who is just really good at celebrating every single mistake, every single success that happens. Like even a minor thing. Yes, I did that well. Like I got the dishwasher running. Okay. I mean, why not? Why not? Life is too short. Okay. 
All right. So, Kathy, we're, I love this idea that um, if I just summarize sort of what we've talked about, that we learn as kids by performing, by pretending, by playing, and that we are built as human beings to play and to learn through that play, to pretend or to perform. Taking on a new role, doing something you haven't done before, something you're uncomfortable doing, you are performing the role. In effect, you are playing with it. And so if we take the lead from what we know makes for great theater, why not use those metaphors as a way of helping us to understand how to perform the new role in the best possible way? One of those elements is about choosing first to grow, to make a conscious decision that even though I'm uncomfortable and I feel like an imposter, I'm going to do it at any rate for the greater good, and then to see it as a performance, and then to think about the ways in which you would prepare for that performance just as an actor would as a, on a character on stage, and also to have the emotional aptitude around the mistakes, that the mistakes should be welcome and celebrated because they create opportunities for learning. So with me, we're going to take a break. With me today is Kathy Salit. The book about this work is called Performance Breakthrough, A Radical Approach to Success at Work. Kathy is a performer and executive coach and a social entrepreneur, CEO of Performance of the Lifetime, where she and her group really specialize in helping leaders and teams perform, use the science of theater, in order to create new uncharted possibilities for their business. We'll be right back. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about imitation and what's the role of creative imitation, as well as what else it is that you can do to boost your performance play. Thanks very much. We'll be right back. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. 
We've been talking today about theater performance play as a way to grow and get out of your comfort zone. With me today is Kathy Salant, Kathy's book, Performance Breakthrough, A Radical Approach to Success at Work, which Daniel Pink says is, quote, this remarkable book will electrify your work and enliven your soul. What a fabulous quote. Kathy is CEO of a company, global consulting company, Performance of a Lifetime, that uses theatrical performance to help leaders um, grow the business. So we have been talking about the notion that as adults, we learn through play, as we did as kids, and that performance theater is a version of play, of performing a role, even though if I'm not certain I'm 100% ready for it, of pretending, in effect, and choosing that I'm going to do that role. I make a choice that even if I know I am not ready 100%, I'm going to do it at any rate for the greater good. So now I want to pick up on two other themes that are relevant in your work, Kathy, and you talk about the role of creative imitation. So what does that mean and how does it work? Creative imitation is a term that uh, was developed by a psychologist, Russian psychologist by the name of Lev Vygotsky, and he used it when he was talking about child, uh, child development, learning and development, and that what a child does when they create, when they imitate, you know, adults or other children or bigger people, older siblings, what they're doing is they are, they're not just parroting what uh, somebody else is doing. They're creatively imagining what that is and expressing themselves in the way that they can while they perform who they are not yet. But they always are creatively imitating something that they've seen that is above and beyond where they are. Bogotsky called it performing a head taller through creative imitation. And so we've taken his idea uh, and how that works with children, and said, you know what, we actually can and do do that as adults. And simply put, what it is is when you identify something that someone does or a way that someone is that is not like you, that is different than what you feel that you're able to do naturally, and you creatively imitate them. So who are our role models, people whose style we really respect or people who are able to synthesize certain kinds of information in certain ways or whatever it is, you start to think about, well, what are they doing? How do they sound? What's, what, what, what is this thing that they do that, they, that I want to be like? And then you, you perform them. You creatively imitate them, which means back to what we were talking about before, Wanda, you're being who you are, but you're also being who you are not yet. But you have, a, you have an object, you have a role model that gives you direction for, for what new thing to try and what new way to be. So it's not just that you robotically imitate exactly what they do. It's that you take what you see of what they do and you do your version of that. So it's a creative exactly. version. Is that it? Okay. Exactly. And, exactly. And, but you have, but, but you, I mean, and even if you are doing exactly, like, for example, sometimes I will say to people, well, what, how does so-and-so open a meeting? Like, what is their opening line? What are some of the lines they use? What are their scripts? Feel free to use those lines. Now, that's not the same as saying, pretending that you're that person where you're saying, you know, oh, I met with, you know, 
Howard Schultz of Starbucks. No, you didn't meet with Howard Schultz of Starbucks if you didn't. <laughs> so I'm not talking about that kind of mimic, that kind of imitation, but more, wow, how do they open that meeting and how do they ask that question and, and so on. Does that make sense? Makes tons of sense. Um, and it certainly is, I have a vivid image of watching young kids and the way in which they imitate adult behavior and often get components of it wrong because they, and it's what's funny, because their interpretation isn't yet sophisticated. So we're talking about watching someone do something that you admire and you say, well, that was really, really good and interpreting it for yourself. So you pull parts yeah. out of that that apply to you and then you creatively imitate it. Yeah, You know, lots of time, we talk a lot about executive presence, or I end up talking a lot about executive presence or gravitas or how to show power and presence in a particular meeting or to show confidence in a particular meeting. And I often say to people, find somebody who does this well and watch what they do So, for the purposes of creatively imitating it. I don't think we're conscious yeah. of that enough. Fabulous idea. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love that. Okay, so then let's turn to another component that we take from theater. And this is going to sound like an unusual one, but you say that listening is clearly critical. So first off, why is it important in theater? And then how does that apply to what we do in our work lives? So the kind of listening that uh, we teach people and that we have found to be very, very helpful that comes from the world of theater is actually a particular form of theater, Wanda, which is improvisation. Now, that's not to say that listening isn't involved with, you know, theater that involves scripts and so on, but improvisation, which is where people are making up what they say, making up what they do on the spot, that requires a different kind of listening, and that's the kind of listening that we draw from when we help leaders uh, become better listeners in the day-to-day uh, business world. So if you think about, you know, when you, if you've ever seen the show, uh, like, Whose Line Is It Anyway?, or, you know, if you've ever been to a live impact comedy club, and you see these guys and gals get up there, and they, 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 they play a scene, and, you know, it's hysterical, it's, it's you know, you, you're doubled over with laughter, and you could really think to yourself, oh, my God, they must have planned this, they had to have had some idea before they got on stage how this was going to go, because it's just so damn good. But they didn't plan it. <laughs> they didn't figure it out beforehand. What they are doing and why the magic happens on stage is because they are incredible listeners. And the way they listen is they're listening not just to trade information, not transactionally, not to stand there or sit there and wait for someone to finish talking so that they can speak. They are listening so that they can create something new with the other person or persons. It is a creative, poetic uh, performance that is about discovering what there is to say because you were listening so intently. Okay. So can you give me an example of what this really looks like? So what it really looks like is there's like a golden rule that we use in improvisation, which is that we say yes 
to everything that we hear and everything that we see and that anybody does. So, for example, Wanda, if you and I were in a scene uh, in an improv show, you know, let's say uh, you come into the scene and I'm thinking in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, oh, you know, let's do a scene about uh, a, a, a doctor and, uh, um, a, you know, some of their interns, some of their medical residents or interns, right? And you come in and you start gardening. You mime an action as if you're gardening, you know, in a, and I have to, I have to listen to that. I have to respond immediately. I have to say yes to that because I have to honor who you are and what you brought into the scene and what you're doing. And so I switch my agenda. I just let it go. And now I, you know, maybe I play, you know, a piece, a cauliflower, I suddenly become a cauliflower that you are, you know, turning the soil with. Or I become a helper. Or I become a tree that is getting in the way of the sun. But I'm saying yes to what it is that I see and hear, uh, and then I'm adding something to it. I say yes and. Now, when you take that idea and that skill, that discipline off the stage, and you bring it into everyday life and work and business, then what you're able to do is you're able to hear all kinds of opportunities. You're able to get to know the people that you're talking to. You get to understand, for example, what's important to your clients or your customers. And you are able to let go of your initial agenda. This is not to say that you never get rid of everything on your agenda, but you you're able to map it to and be connected to the real person, the real circumstance, the real opportunity, the real challenges that are before you because you say yes and instead of yes but. And you build with what it is that you hear. Okay, so now I can imagine that this makes people nervous that here I am, let's say I'm meeting with a client and I have a particular agenda item in that client where we do have to conclude a deal and agree on a price. And I can't totally let go of that agenda. So I'm going to be nervous when you say to me yes to everything that the client is saying and and. So how do I have any confidence that we're ever going to get back around to the thing I really have to accomplish in this meeting? Well, for one thing, um, part of what it means to say yes and is you are saying yes and to the person. That doesn't mean that you're saying yes and to, to every specific thing that they say. Uh, there's, a, there's a term that we use, I talk about um, in my book, which is really helpful, which is this idea that we can hear offers, and then we build with the offers that we hear. So the kind of situation that you're talking about, one, that happens all the time. Um, what in what it is that your client is saying can you say yes to, and should you say yes to, that might even expand What's possible? I'm thinking about some work that we were doing, do a lot of work also with financial services. And more often than not, you know, when when these guys are talking with their clients, they have, they have their debt. They have the products that they want to sell. And we had them perform in those scenes, you know, where we role-played their clients, uh, where they did what they normally do. And a number of things happened. They didn't notice that the clients, i.e., you know, our role players, were doing things like looking at their watch, not paying attention, clearly wasn't interested in what they were selling. And uh, they actually noticed it, but they didn't address it. They didn't say yes to it. They didn't say, 
have this conversation going for you right now? Are we covering what you want to be covering? Is now a good time, for example? And so they ended up losing the sale (laughs) Uh, and also not taking the opportunity to discover what was important to the client. And in one of those scenes, which we did after hearing from our client that this had happened, the client said, I'm dealing with a lot of stress at home right now, and I can't really consider such a big move. Now, in the case of not hearing the offer, our actor, our financial services consultant, just plowed ahead, you know, kept on trying to say what he wanted to say. Instead, what he did by learning yes and was he said, oh, well, does any of that stress have financial implications for you? And do you want to talk about this? Maybe I can be of help. Bingo. Bingo. And they ended up going down like a whole other road, but which was not the one he went, thought he was going to go down, but now he was connecting with the client. Now he was actually learning what was important to them and being there for them and able to make a sale. Okay. All right. So, Kathy, I see this kind of parallel playing out um, all the time in um, uh, year-end conversations. So, we're coming up to a lot of people doing performance reviews at this point in time, and there's some form of feedback that is being given in one shape or another about something about this time of year. And what I hear managers do is they'll give the feedback, and I give them great credit for giving the feedback, but they don't hear what the person is saying. They don't listen to the ands. You know, I'll even say they're right about the feedback, but they don't hear what the individual is giving back to them. So they miss the secret. They miss the like the tiny little nugget that would have made the difference in changing the individual's behavior. And I think that's what you mean yeah. by yes, and I hold my message. You need to improve your um, speaking capability. That's not going away. But if I listen to or notice the other things that are happening, I start to find the clues for why or where you're nervous, or what the barriers are, and those are the places where we can really improve. Is that what you mean? I, it's definitely part of what I mean, yeah. And, you know, and it makes me think of what one of the things that you brought up earlier in our conversation about emotional aptitude, and I think makes it hard to have those conversations and um and other kinds of uh, feedback or coaching conversations is is that we are afraid, we, the coach, the person who's giving the feedback, we're afraid of going somewhere that feels uncomfortable to us. And so I think the more that we can recognize, like, this person is going to, you know, I need to get to, I need to get closer to this person who I'm trying to help. I need to get right next to them. And that involves listening in a way that, is different than just telling them what to do, but but really hearing and really saying, you know what, we're going to figure this out together, and I need to be in that scene with you so that, you know, and, and say yes to what you're saying so that we can go through that together. Okay. All right, so can you give us an example of an exercise, pick any one, I know you have several, that you do to help people understand how to improve their listening? Yeah, well, this, this exercise of yes and is, is super helpful. And I really recommend it to our, to our listeners. Uh, so that, and what I mean by that is, so our natural tendency, you'll discover if you start to pay attention to it, 
is to say, yes, but. Somebody says something and you say, yeah, but, 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 you know. And if you sit in a meeting, uh, you're, you're sure to notice that, you know, you hear somebody say something and then somebody says something else. Or you, and then you say something, and then somebody says, and you're like, wait a minute, are we in the same meeting? <laughs> so what I'd like to recommend is that people try this technique of saying yes and, and if you don't want to say yes and, think yes and when somebody says something. And see what happens, and be, be open to and willing to, to go someplace that you don't expect. And I think that there are enormous rewards for that. That, that you gain if you go where you don't expect and not try to control it all the time, you're going to be able to hear and be open to so much more. So yes and in your next meeting coming up and decide I'm going to yes and, I'm going to work on saying yes and with my spouse. I mean, I have so many people, Wanda, who have come over to me at the end of the session or end of working together and sort of, you know, pull me aside and say, can I do this with my husband? Can I do this with my wife? And I'm like, yes, please. Okay. All right. So, Kathy, just to reiterate how this looks, yes and means that I take whatever you say, I listen intently for whatever it is, is, and I say yes to you in some form of agreement, acceptance, embracing, following to you, and I add to that that follows the same stream of the conversation that you have just started. And that's what it means to say yes and, as opposed to yes but, where all we ever do in yes but is say, yeah, I heard you, and here's the five things that reasons that won't work. So we go into critic (laughs) mode. Yes. Okay. I can imagine that for people who've never been through this exercise, it's hard to understand what it means to do yes and, and hence we are back to theater and why trying practicing it in a performance-oriented way is so helpful to actually really improving the skill. So fabulous. All right, Kathy, we're going to take another break again. So with me today is Kathy Salit. Kathy is CEO of Performance of a Lifetime, where they use the art of theatrical performance and the science of performative psychology to help leaders and teams grow and achieve new possibilities. Her book, if you're interested in reading more about this, is Performance Breakthrough, A Radical Approach to Success. So we've been talking about how theater and play is how we learn and how we learn to do things that we don't know how to do. We perform them until they become an innate part of us. So it's not about who we are, but who we are not yet. The two components we've been talking about in this segment have to do with creative imitation, interpreting what somebody else is doing and playing it back ourselves as well as the art of listening. It's listening for yes and, not yes but. So when we come back, I want to talk about coaching and how all of this plays into being a more effective coach for your teams. We'll be right back. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. 
Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. If you want more information on the articles, books, coaching, and seminars we offer, go to our website at www.leadershipforuminc.com. You're sure to find some helpful links, videos, and more to help you create a winning strategy for your organization. Leadership Forum, Inc., helping organizations get it and keep it. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings of the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Out of the Comfort Zone. To reach Dr. Wanda Wallace or her guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to wanda.wallace at leadershipforuminc.com. Now, back to Out of the Comfort Zone. Welcome back. With me today is Kathy Salant. Kathy is CEO of Performance of a Lifetime. The book we've been talking about from Kathy is Performance Breakthrough, A Radical Approach to Success at Work. And the notion is that we perform roles that are new to us, and that is how we learn. So let's take a page from how theater learns to perform a character, a scene, and see if that doesn't give us a better platform for improving some of our leadership skills. Thus far, we have talked about the role of creative image. To first off, choose to grow, to make that conscious choice that I am going to perform the role, the job, the task, the circumstance, the scene. And two, that I'm going to creatively imitate people who do this well. And three, that I'm going to learn to listen in a yes and way as opposed to in a yes but way. And now, Kathy, I want to talk about how this has implications for one of the most significant things we do as leaders, which is coaching our teams. So how do you use theater to help people improve their coaching skills? So um, I think that the, the kind of work that many theater directors do, the kind of approach that many theater directors use can be really helpful when you're thinking about growing and developing your own skill and, and approach for coaching. So a couple of things I'll say about it. Theater directors, when you're when they're working with a star, or with the supporting actors, or they're working with uh, you know a quote bit player, they're always working with that person in the context of the total play, the total ensemble, and thinking about them as part of a larger ecosystem. And so, I think that that helps them give direction to their actors so that they succeed in the context of that ecosystem. So that's one thing that I think is important. That it's not just like an individual thing that somebody has to get better at, but it's how do you get better, how do you grow 
how do you succeed in the context of the larger play so that the whole play is improved, not just the individual? That's one thing. The other thing is that the good theater director co-creates with the people that they are directing. So they're not trying to turn the actor into a mini-me, which is a lot of what people do uh, when they're coaching, you know, especially if it's coaching as a sort of a side profession, meaning it's not their, quote, real job, but it's like one of the things they have to do as a leader. And more and more, as you know, that's one of the things you have to do as a leader. You've got to be an expert in your area, but you also have to coach and develop other people. <clears throat> Thinking that you're going to try to turn them into you is wrong-handed. They're not you. <laughs> so what a good theater director does is it helps they help people to experiment. They help people to do things that are beyond them. They give them actionable direction. They don't just say, stop fidgeting. They say, here's what I want you to do with your hands. And so it's very specific, it's very actionable, and it's also supporting the strengths that they have and building on them. All right. These two concepts sound incredibly powerful, but most of us don't have the experience of what it looks like to be a theater director. So let's just take that last one that you said and that you give an actionable direction. So rather than the don't do X, like stop fidgeting, we give them something to do with their hands that stops the fidgeting. Can you give Mm -hmm. me some other examples? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... I was recently coaching somebody who uh, was given the new responsibility to uh, be part of an orientation for new hires uh, for professional service firms. He was um, going through a PowerPoint deck that was, first of all, the deck itself was like, uh, the screen was like, I cannot tell you how many words were on the screen. <laughs> I mean, nobody could read it. And he was thinking, you know, like literally reading through it uh, as he was giving his presentation as we, as we were practicing this. Now, I could have just said, stop doing that, read it. Uh, but instead, what I said was, um, what's the essence of this deck? What's the essence of this page? And uh, he said, he gave me an answer. And I said, great, what's another essence of this page? And he gave me another answer. And I said, just give me the essence now. Share it with me and share it as if you're really excited about it. And he said, well, I'm not that excited about it. I said, well, I understand that. It's not that exciting. Make it exciting. See if you can find a way to share the essence and make it exciting. And he did. And so... And it was, it was fabulous, and, and the report, by the way, and we did a bunch of other things, but, but the report on his presentation later from other leaders who were in the room was that it was literally the best first orientation uh, gathering that they had ever witnessed, and it was also the best talk that this guy had ever given. Uh, and this mix of perform as if you're excited about it and give us the essence of it is a more positive and actionable example of how to direct someone versus, you know, you need to stop reading what, you know, what it says on the screen. 
So, Kathy, if I distill this, this is is about telling people not telling people what not to do, which is the kind of tagline, and it is more about telling people specifically what to do that gets them in the right direction. Is that a reasonable summary? It is, and what I would add to it, Wanda, is as a coach, and I think this is the mindset of a theater director, is um, give people the space to experiment and give them direction to do things that might not end up being what they actually do, but as part of the growth process. So that, like, sometimes I will give people coaching direction that I would never expect them to do, but I want them to do it in rehearsal with me so that they can discover that they have so much more available to them. Like, I'll sometimes say, you know, when, when, when you um, have this conversation, I want you to physically get right next to the person and almost hold, and hold their hand. Now, I'm not going to tell they're not going to do that in an actual performance review, but I want them to have the physical experience of what it means to be so close to that person that that person feels that they're there with them. And that helps, that sort of bridges between someone who's very, very distant and not at all conveying to the person that they care about them to almost overboard, and then you find the middle ground. Okay. Okay. So I like this idea that, and it completely turns on the head, the notion of coaching the way we traditionally teach coaching, where my job is to ask you questions and let you discover. And instead, this is, I give you some direction. I tell you the positive, constructive things to do or try, and I may have you overdo something in order for you to discover for yourself where's the right ground. Yes, to discover for yourself, and I would add for us to discover together what works for you, because that's what the theater director is doing. The theater director is sort of back to what we were talking about before about listening. They're seeing, they're creating a circumstance for this actor where together discover and see something new that wasn't seeable or doable before, so that then they can say, okay, good, now you can do blah, 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 blah. Does that make sense? That makes ton of sense. And I love this notion of discover together um, because that is the co-creating. It doesn't mean I have the answer. It means we do it together. Kathy, I think we could be talking for another hour. So thank you very much for being on the show. With me today is Kathy Salit. The book, if you would like to read more, is Performance Breakthrough, A Radical Approach to Success at Work. And Kathy is the CEO of Performance a Lifetime. Fabulous conversation, Kathy, and tons to learn from how theater helps us perform things we don't necessarily know how to do at the beginning, but can learn if we just change our mindset. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Wanda. And tune in with us next week. We'll be talking with Bernie Swain. Thank you for joining us for Out of the Comfort Zone. Tune in again for another edition with Dr. Wanda Wallace next Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Reach outside your comfort zone this week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.